I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick. This week's guest is Gabby. She has depression. Let's talk about it. All right, this is going to be fantastic. I read through all of the show notes for this yesterday and um, and really excited to sit down with a new friend, Gabby. Uh, Gabby Scollard is here with us today. And you are, Gabby, you are an author, a public speaker, and a men- mental health advocate. And on top of that, the number, the age number next to your name is 19, which I feel like is an abnormal number to be next to author, public speaker, <laughs> and uh, mental health advocate. And the reason why I, it came up for me that I was really excited to have this conversation is because just yesterday I was, having a, I, was, I was chatting back and forth with somebody about the episodes that we do on the show for mental health. And uh, I was reflecting back on an episode that we did with a friend of ours named Ben Nempton. Yeah. And how there was just, that was such an amazing conversation about things that you can like, offer up to other people to help with their mental health, people who are struggling. And like these sort of, and, and, you know, we talk a lot about therapy, but that isn't like something that you have to shell out money for, but you can, you, something like really simple that you can do, which is, which is kind of, uh, I think the whole, um, the whole thing that we're going to talk about here today or a big part of what we're going to talk about here today, which is um, what's in your book. Um, but before we dive into the book and all of your uh, public speaking and, uh, and, and sort of everything like that. Let's get into your story. Like what brings you, what brings you to us today and having authored a book and going on tour to speak, uh, across the country? Yeah. I think it's funny that you bring up, uh, how 19 is young to kind of have those accomplishments because <laughs> people, it always starts out, oh, what do you do? Oh, I'm an author. Oh, what do you write about? And I'm like, suicide. And they're like, you're 19. You already lost (laughs) your will to live. Like, how does that happen? So that's always quite the conversation, especially downtown at a bar. So, um, But you're willing to have the conversation. Oh, absolutely. Anywhere, anytime. Um, But I have always been a super happy person, like just from the get-go. I loved going to school, loved doing work. I was that nerd kid that would spend their chore money on like school supplies and stuff just to give you some perspective so interesting yeah so leading up to high school um I always loved it and then my senior year which was I graduated high school last year um, my senior year I decided to get an IUD which is a form of birth control um releases a bunch of hormones into your body and so I got that in about mid-October my senior year And by December, 
completely had lost my will to live. Um, deep Whoa, depression, uh, suicidal thoughts completely. Wait, so so like you had never had those type of no, thoughts before, and like and 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 like how. How obvious was it to you that like it was the IUD? Because like when you're telling the story, I mean, obviously in hindsight, you're looking back at this mm-hmm. and you're like, I fucking got that IUD. And like within a month or two, we're obviously feeling this like intense level of depression. But like how obvious was it to you that that was what was causing it? Yeah. So I actually that was definitely not where my brain went. Um, it happened so fast that I didn't know what hit me. And my mom made me sit down and be like, okay, what has changed in the last Mm. two months? Like, let's backtrack. And I was like, nothing has changed. Um, And then we looked back and we were like, holy shit, the IUD. And I had never been on birth control. I'd never had hormones in my body, any of that. Um, And I went to the doctor, said I wanted to go on birth control. They recommended that. And that was the end of conversation. If they had told me, yeah, by the way, you're going to want to die. I probably, it probably would have been a harder decision. Yeah, (laughs) There's like, I feel like there's so much to unpack here because one, like one, the fact that you're, you're having this like open conversation with your mom. I'm really curious about like that relationship and how, like, did you just say, wake up one morning in December and you were like, mom, I feel this way. Or was that like a, you were feeling that way and it was progressing to this point where you feel like, felt like you had to say something. Yeah. So it actually timed perfectly because um, like I, all my friends were kind of off to school cause I was depressed for like a year. So mm-hmm. I wasn't telling anyone like I, I was super ashamed cause all the stigma, I was like, people are going to think I'm crazy and weird and nobody wants to be friends with a mentally ill girl that can't get out of bed and all this stuff. So my mom is the only person that I told and mm-hmm. I didn't even want to tell her because I was like, I'm a burden like depression tells you all of this stuff. Like Mm. you are like, keep it to yourself because nobody wants to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. I I just to like interject there for a second too. Like I, I know what you mean. Like I've had gone through a couple of bouts of depression myself and, and it was, I didn't realize like what you're saying right now wouldn't connect with me in the same way if I didn't have this one experience where I was in bed one day at like three o'clock in the afternoon and I hadn't got up all day and I was just laying there and I was like, I have no motivation to get up. And I feel like, I feel like if I do get up, people are going to start to ask questions of like why I slept in so late and I'm not going to be able to talk about why that is. And I felt like such a burden to other people, but also like was totally incapacitated at the same time. And, and like what you just said, wouldn't, I, I don't think I would have fully understood that unless I had that experience myself. And I, like, I totally know what you mean when you say that. Yeah. And speaking to that, like, I really genuinely believe you don't understand it unless you go through it Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. my best friend struggled from junior high to high school. Um, and she wouldn't get out of bed and she would cancel plans with me. And I was like, what the hell? Like get out of bed. It's not that hard. Just have a positive mind. I remember sending her like inspirational (laughs) quotes, like in it's, Comparing it to a physical illness, because your brain is sick. Like, it's not just, oh, you're in a bad mood. Like, there's something wrong up there. Mm-hmm. And imagine someone breaks their leg and you send them an inspirational quote. Like, yeah, that sounds right. ridiculous. Yeah, and yeah. I don't know how she didn't punch me in the face. Because <laughs> if someone put a quote in my face when I was struggling, 
I would have went crazy. And that's partly why I didn't tell anyone. Mm. Um, Back to the relationship with my mom. I didn't actually tell her. She just figured it out. I mean, she lives with me. I'm not getting out of bed. I would literally stay in bed from the time I woke up to the time I went back to sleep. I... The amount of absences I had my senior year, like I can't even count them. So you had to take all your exams. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, actually. No um, exam exemptions. The ex- that is like the worst part. Like that'll spiral, spiral yeah. you right back. But yeah, so she noticed that. And I basically explaining it also makes you feel like crap because you're like, I really don't want to be here anymore. I don't really have a reason to not want to be here anymore, but I know that I don't. I don't know what to do about it. I don't have energy to do anything about it. So I'm just going to sit in my bed and Mm. like, you can't brush your teeth. You can't have a shower. Mm -hmm. It's just this like alternate universe. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that's how she kind of noticed. It's crazy how it manifests. Um, I count myself very lucky having had, uh, having had some, some short periods of, of, not not major not major depression, but just being able to, to to feel it, so that you can so that I can be empathetic because I don't because I think you're right you can't. It's very hard to describe if you haven't been there in some sense. It's really hard to understand, uh, and and so I count myself lucky so that I can empathize with that situation at, at least in some sense. But it's crazy how physically it manifests, like this mental illness that that just that just completely alters your body's ability to function in a normal way. Like how, I mean, everybody, I think anybody who's ever gone through any bit of depression knows how hard mm-hmm. it is to just get your ass out of bed in the morning. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's almost mm-hmm. impossible, which then obviously if you can't get out of bed, you can't do anything mm-hmm. else. The, the, the thing that strikes me though, too, is like when I, it, it's interesting having had all of these conversations on this podcast and talked about people's struggle with their mental health. And, and now you know, after high school for me, having these own experiences myself and then thinking back of like being in high school and like in hindsight, looking back at people who I knew who were probably going through something and like the way that I thought about them then when I was like, Mm. I don't, I don't understand this. Like, I'm just looking at this person thinking like, why, like, why is this person so lazy or like, why, Mm -hmm. like, why can't they just cheer up or why can't they? And so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's different for me now. And I think, I think there's probably still a lot of people who are, who are my age who still have that feeling because they haven't been through something like this. But I'm curious for you, like at that time, you know, wanting, wanting not to like tell your friends, but also being absent from school. And, you know, like you said, your mom obviously noticed it. I'm sure that you had friends that were starting to like, wonder like, where's Gabby? Like, where the fuck is, why is she missing so much school? Like, did you have people who were like reaching out to you? And Oh yeah. And, and like, what was that? What, yeah. What were those conversations like? I had a boyfriend, um, that we spent like every day together. So slowly stopped answering my phone. Didn't want to leave the house. Like mm-hmm. he literally walked in my front door, came down. I have like a, a dark hole room in the basement, <laughs> just my dark layer down there, my <laughs> depression. Um, he came down, was like, get up, like, let's go. We're going to talk about this or whatever. Um, my friends would ask me to hang out, but I would just make up every excuse in the book. Like, Oh, I'm re- really not feeling well. Like physical illness was what I went to. Like mm-hmm. for school, I was like, Oh, I have a, health thing like I would tell my teachers like something's going on um so I was so good at covering it up Mm -hmm. that people didn't really notice um and I would also make an effort to when I had the energy 
I would put makeup on, put a cute outfit on, smile for a picture and post it so nobody would suspect that I'm mm-hmm. depressed because how can you be depressed if you're smiling yeah. on Instagram, Instagram right? Instagram, the highlight reel <laughs> yeah, looks good. exactly. <laughs> so, and I was speaking about that to um, my high school that I went to um, and I would show <laughs> pictures like, and I knew a lot of the people sitting in the audience, so they would have seen it on my Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I remember this one specific picture I posted, like I looked so happy and this girl commented like, you're such a happy soul. And I like audibly laughed cause I was like, she has <laughs> no idea. Yeah. I pray every morning that I won't wake up the next day. Whoa. And so it's crazy how you can completely cover it up and fool your friends, fool your family, fool everyone around you. Um, And that's another thing. Like we constantly are comparing ourselves to social media and that is a highlight tape. Like that is curated, completely posed, edited. Like you have no idea what that person is actually going through or what their life is really like. So that has been a conversation that's definitely opened that up in schools as well. Yeah. Like that is what we compare ourselves to. Like Mm -hmm. when we look at other people, we're like, fuck, why am I not as happy as that Mm -hmm. person? But like, like you said, you don't know what they're going through. I think one, like one thing that you just said that, that really strikes me too is like I, you went back to your high school and then spoke to them publicly about that. And I mean, as somebody who is, who's just, graduate did had you just graduated at the time yeah. or so you're you're going back obviously it's a lot of kids that you went to school with what was it like to open up about your story in front of people so many people that you know yeah so i remember walking in the doors and i saw someone that um i used to hang out with and they were like what are you doing here i was like i'm here to talk about suicide prevention and she was like what like you the happy girl yeah. is here to talk about mental health Um, So I think it was a big shock factor for a lot of people in the audience. Like sharing my story, I remember just seeing jaws dropping Mm because they all knew me and they were like, we had no idea. Um, And there was specifically like our graduation was walking across a sidewalk. (laughs) We didn't have the ceremony because of COVID. (laughs) Um, So you had people that were kind of, at your time. So there were cars parked next to each other. Mm -hmm. Um, and this family was right next to us and like, they kept looking over smiling. My mom knew them, um, stuff like that. So when I shared my story, um, at CPA, I was speaking and one of the girls in the audience was like audibly crying and Mm -hmm. I was trying so hard not to cry, look at her, whatever. But she came up to me after, um, and she, couldn't really speak because she was full of tears, but she gave me her information and we were talking. Um, and I shared that with my mom and she said that her mom had reached out. They were at the graduation slot right next to us and her daughter was really struggling, obviously. And they genuinely looked at us and thought to themselves, they have it all. Like, mm-hmm. look at that picture, perfect mother-daughter relationship. Um, look how happy they are. Look how put together they are. And the morning of my graduation, I bawled my eyes out, couldn't get out of bed. I was like, Mm -hmm. I don't have the strength to do this. Put some makeup on, took some good pictures, completely just smiled my way through it. Didn't even make it home before I started crying again, like Mm. just in the car bawling. And this girl was comparing her experience to my pictures my mom posted on Facebook. 
So it was crazy going back to my high school and being able to share that because so many people were like, oh my God, I was struggling too. And I had no idea that someone like you could struggle just like I was. And it's so eye-opening. And that's when I kind of realized like, wow, my story can make a difference mm-hmm. in these people's lives. Yeah. Was it, a, I, I wanted to to ask ask about that because, you know, like when we started doing this, this podcast, that was one thing that I didn't expect about the show is that people would start <clears throat> to reach out and say like, hey, this is how it, this story affected me. Or like, you know, like, Hey Brian, you shared this thing about yourself on that show, and like I actually experienced the same thing. And then then they would start like want to talk about it. And a lot of these things that that like I share about myself on this podcast, like I'm working through with my therapist, but like I don't even know the you know the extent or mm-hmm. the depth at what these ex- or how these experiences affect me. But I want to support those people who reach out. And I'm curious for you, like like starting to hear how people also shared similar stories and they're reaching out to you and, you know, they want to connect with you and they feel like, you know, there's, there's probably some way that you can help them. Like how has that experience been um, trying to support these people and understand the best way to be able to do that? You know, just starting to like understand this experience yourself. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I should probably explain what my book is um, (laughs) for the people that don't know. So, Um, eventually I still wasn't telling anyone that I needed help, was depressed. So I've always loved writing. Um, it's been a big outlet for me. So I would write down a reason why I needed to stay alive every time I really felt like I couldn't make it to tomorrow. Excuse me. Um, so I had hundreds and hundreds of reasons to stay alive, whether that be a name of someone that I knew needed me or, um, something super simple like my favorite food or an event that I was looking forward to, basically anything that would push me to make it to tomorrow, take a little bit of that pain away, I would write it down. Um, and they got me through and I turned them into a book because I thought if they can help me, um, maybe they can help someone else. And there was this, like there's been a lot of feedback Um a lot of great feedback, and then there's always the Karens out there. It's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, you, you, you need professional help. Stop profiting off of your pain, stuff like that. That's and so like, obviously, stupid. they're yeah, hurting, well, so we're just gonna pray for them. Those people can suck it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, there's been also, I said that if one person reads my words and thinks to themselves that they can make it another day everything would have been worth it, all the vulnerability, all the pain. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was expecting like one, there's been hundreds of people saying like, wow, this really opened up um, a new sense of gratitude for me. Like even if you're not depressed, it's just like a book full of reasons that life is really cool. So that's been great. And I was actually at a Canada Day party this past Canada Day. Um, and I was like down in Wolfville. I was drunk standing in a driveway and I was just by myself. I don't even know where my friends went. And this girl tapped me on the shoulder and I turned around and she was like, I know you, but you don't know me. And I was like, am I going to get punched in the face <laughs> yeah, or something? Like, like you can't open yeah. with that. Um, and then I was like, okay, like keep going. And she was like, because of you, I didn't have to bury my best friend. Oh, my and, God. Uh, wow. Like, it just strikes you right in the chest. And, like, you can always think, what if someone said that to me? But you're never prepared for that. Yeah. Um, and so it's been a crazy experience that 
I have gotten to live out these days that I didn't think I was mm. going to. I didn't think I'd have a future and then also help other people get mm. to these. Like someone is going to hold their newborn baby for the first time because yeah. they read some pages on a word that on that I wrote mm-hmm. when I was struggling and they were in my shoes. So it's just so the whole, like I, it hasn't really set in yet. Yeah. It's just been so insane to see the impact. Where did the I, idea come from? Well, it's funny cause I was looking at my notebook with all these reasons in front of me and I was like, Oh, like, <laughs> but like even to start writing ab- about them, was it just like, like, like in the moment, it was the one thing that you felt that it you was, could do to... Yeah, it was out of pure yeah. desperation. I was like, I can't do this anymore. I I was spending my days mm-hmm. fantasizing about dying and how I could accomplish that. And I, my brain was telling me, you can't get help. Nothing's going to help. Talking to a therapist isn't going to help any of this, which is not true, by the way. Therapy is great. I strongly recommend. Um, but that was what my illness was telling me at the time. You can't tell anyone. And so I was like, okay, if I can't tell anyone, I can tell my notebook. And Mm. so just writing those reasons was just out of complete last ditch effort. Mm -hmm. And it turned into that. How, how did you, um, I'm, I'm curious about how you, how you created, how do you, how you managed to create the habit of doing it in the headspace that you found yourself in? Because as we have talked about mental health, a lot of depression and anxiety over the years on this podcast. I find that that has been a question that's come up on almost every conversation is like, how can you turn, how can you turn the negative headspace that the illness brings you into, into a good trigger to recognize that it's not you? Like, can you, but I know that inherently the headspace kind of prevents you from doing that a lot of the Mm -hmm. time and being able to recognize. So in, in this, you know, in this, uh, in this headspace that is, you know, kind of being dominated by an illness, how do you, how did you create the, the habit to remember to do that every day? And that that was something that could help when it seems like, you know, everything, anything and everything is impossible to do. Yeah. So I think at the beginning when I didn't necessarily know or label that I had depression and I just knew I had this cloud and like couldn't do anything, that was definitely harder to navigate because there wasn't anything that I could label it as and I was just felt lost. But when I figured out it was depression, I could separate myself from that. Like I have depression, but I am not depression. I am not my illness. Um, And so that kind of helped me try and dig and find myself that was still under there Mm. and find these reasons because I then knew that I was fighting something inside of me and it wasn't, oh, Gabby, you're, you're lazy, you're stupid, you're an idiot. It's this illness is being mean to you. Depression is lying to you and we're going to fight against that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember, I remember having, uh, it was, it was shortly after a couple of years ago. This is like old news for people who have been listening to the podcast, but Brian and I, a few years ago, holy shit, COVID, remember? Remember COVID happened? It was before that. <laughs> so I don't know, four years ago maybe. Um, Brian and I found this guy who had OD'd in the, in the Calgary airport at like midnight and we were, there was nobody in the airport. We found this guy. We did CPR on him. We, we think that he lived. It was a really intense Super experience. Intense. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and then, but then, you know, we were going from Calgary to Toronto and we were doing shows in Toronto and 
and like life just continued after this like really intense experience. And then, and then we came home to Halifax and maybe like a week or so later, all of a sudden I was like, I don't want to go to work. I don't want to teach yoga. I don't want to go out and hang out with friends. I, I just don't feel like I can even leave the house. Like I just, I had this anxiety and I remember kind of stewing in that for a few days until I was like, this isn't me, you know, and having mm-hmm. that, having that light bulb go off that like, oh, this shit isn't me. This is like something else in me that's doing this and then going, working backwards like you did with mm-hmm. your mom going, what happened? And then going, oh, yeah. right, we found that guy dead on the floor. Um, and, and then trying to like, trying to develop a trigger for like, what is, what is this? What's going on? And, and separating yourself from it. I feel mm-hmm. like in whatever way that you can do that, whether that's <clears throat> work with yourself, talking to a friend, work with a therapist, writing things down, journaling, I, like that seems to be a pretty key element for people to be able to um, cope with and manage depression and anxiety, whether, wh- whether it's something that is, you know, uh, a f- I don't, the f- word phase sounds wrong, but like a period of time that you yeah. deal with it or whether it's a chronic thing, you know, to, mm-hmm. to, to, to keep recognizing that like, this isn't you, it's a thing that's sort of like layered on top of you. Are vegans actually unhealthy? Does cannabis ruin your sleep? And why are so many men taking testosterone supplements? I'm Mitch. And I'm Greg. And we're the creators of the popular YouTube channel, ASAP Science. Every week on our podcast, Side Note by ASAP Science, we explain the science behind a controversial subject with recent research, up-to-date studies, and ridiculous stories so you are entertained while, bam, simultaneously learning. We're here to make science make sense. Download Side Note by ASAP Science wherever you got your podcasts. One of the most fascinating things that has come out of us doing this podcast over the years is, and this is usually something something people say at the very end of the podcast, but it was something that we had down in the show notes, which is that illnesses from like cancer to depression to HIV to fucking anything, some of the things that you go, you'd never wish this thing on anybody. Mm-hmm. People go, people say that, they wouldn't trade it because of what it's given them, you know, the things that they've learned from it. And, you know, it says in the show notes here that, that your depression is, you know, you, it's the best thing that ever happened to you. Talk us, talk us through that. Yeah. Whenever I say that I get some head tilts and are you (laughs) sure? And when I was struggling, obviously I would never tell you this is the best thing that's ever happened to me because yeah, you're going to love this. one. Yeah, <laughs> no one would ever tell you that in that headspace. But coming out on the other side, like I will never be able to watch a sunset, eat my favorite food, pet a puppy without this intense gratitude. Like, wow, I'm still here. Mm-hmm. And every single time I have a good moment. I literally think to myself, I almost didn't have this. I almost Mm. didn't get to experience this. And it's made every single thing so much better. And I will never lit. Like I was, I was a positive person before I had depression, but it's just this new sense of gratitude that I never would have been able to experience. And it's also like 
if I didn't experience the depression, I wouldn't be able to connect to all of the people that have and I wouldn't be able to reach them in the way that I can now um, with that empathy and understanding. And being able to help people has been so healing. And like I'm on track for a career in mental health advocacy and speaking and writing. And there's nothing else I'd want to do with my life. And who knows where I would be? Like, yeah. I don't know what I was going to go to school for if I mm -hmm. hadn't experienced that. So it's just set my life on a completely new trajectory that I'm so thankful for. Yeah. It sounds like it. it's like obviously provided a lot of meaning and purpose for, for you. But to like get to this place that you're at now, you've mentioned like how, how therapy has helped. But like, can we go back to that like moment when you started to talk to your mom about this and then like, and then like, I'm, I'm guessing like as any mom would want like to end that sort of suffering for you and help you get through it as quickly as possible. Like what was the sort of game plan from, from there to start to get on this like path to recovery? Well, my mom is my best friend. So it wasn't like a mother daughter conversation of like, you're higher than me, like whatever. Mm -hmm. Like it was genuinely like talking to, um, my best friend. So I was like, I'm feeling this way. I don't know why. And instead of her being like, okay, let's go. We're getting you into therapy. Like, no, you're not doing this. Like, whatever. She was like, okay, let's talk about what you want to do. And obviously my answer was, I don't want to do anything. I just want to yeah. stay in my yeah. dark hole. Um, and so I, she really wanted to put me in therapy, obviously, as any mother yeah. would. Um, I wouldn't go because I was like, talking to someone is not going to help me. That's yeah. stupid. Um, but the first experience that I had was I got called down to the office, like at school and I'm a goody two shoes. Wow. I had never been called. To the Getting office. called down to the office is <laughs> floods of memories. Yeah, I, I got called down to the office a lot. <laughs> no, not me. And I was already depressed. I was like, I can't catch a break. Like you're going to call me to the office right now. Um, but it was my guidance counselor. And so I sat down, she was like, you don't come to school anymore. And that's not you. And I was like, mm -hmm. I was looking at the floor. I wouldn't look at her. And she was like, are you okay? And I just like, nobody had asked me that. Oh, like man. nobody had looked at me and been like, are you okay? And I, no, I'm not okay. <laughs> just started gushing tears and I spilled everything to her. Um, and it was the most relief I've ever felt in my life. Mm. And just like, cause I was so against therapy talking to anyone. And then just having that moment of, I'm not carrying this all on my own anymore. I can share it. I don't have to have that burden. And it just flowed out of me. And that was when I started recovering. That makes me like, that makes me so emotional because like every time my therapist says like, how are you doing? And like, I know it's in a way where the, she's not asking like, how are you? So that I say, I'm good or I'm fine or whatever. Mm -hmm. She's like genuinely asking me like, how are you? And you feel like you have that space to like, I mean, partly because I'm paying to be <laughs> fucking be there. <laughs> but like, but like, like I have that space to like just dump without like any, uh, you know, worry about um, like being judged or like feeling like I have to sort of present myself in a certain way that like, you know, we'll like, we'll like maintain my relationships or whatever. I, mm -hmm. When she asked me that, I'm like, oh, I'm actually in a space where I can really truly be honest with my experience right now is like the most 
like amazing feeling ever because it finally feels like some of those things that you're holding on to, you can just get off your chest. And yeah, like when I hear you say mm-hmm. that, and like I, I know that that feeling that you're talking about, yeah, it just it's a makes game me changer. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, I gotta say, a, a thought that came up um, while you were while you were explaining um, how you know, like how how your depression has become, uh, you know, the, the greatest thing that ever happened to you, and the way that it, the way that it kind of brings gratitude into like the small things mm-hmm. in life. Um, I had a baby recently and, Congratulations. Um, <clears throat> thank you. And she's five months old, five and a half months old. She's really cute. She's really cute. <laughs> and, and, uh, it's really hard to put into, it's really hard to, uh, to put into words the way that it feels to have a small human that you have to take care of. Uh, it, like really, really hard. And, and, and when people ask about it, especially somebody who's like a friend of mine the other night was like, he's thinking about having a kid. And so he was asking me all this stuff. And, and when it comes to like how it feels, it's like, well, that's really hard. Like I, I can tell you like logistically how to have a kid. <laughs> I can tell you like what things will you'll have to do and what things you'll have to stop doing or modify or whatever. But like how it feels is something that's really, really hard to put into words. And what you said there, oddly enough, is really how I feel about having a kid. It's like, it's like everything becomes, I become more grateful for everything because I see something beautiful and I go, and now because I'm here, she gets to experience that. Mm-hmm. And it makes me feel like she becomes my reason, mm-hmm. you know, like that becomes my, my reason to be around. Yeah. Gabby, like, it's funny for I, that. because like reading through <laughs> a few of these, um, reasons that you wrote to stay, there's a lot about kids, like having kids in the future. Like wh- wh- how much of that plays into like your idea of like, like what you want to be in the future, like being a mom. Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny because I was literally sitting down with my mom when I was like peak depression. I was like, mom, should I just get pregnant? Like, should I just have a baby? Like, let's find purpose anywhere because I've always loved kids. Like, I've always wanted a family. That's bit That was a big factor in helping me push through because I was like, I know when I hold my little girl or my little boy for the first time, every ounce of pain will be worth it. Um, and there's actually on the last page, because I wrote like an intro and an outro, Um, there's things that I talk about like, oh, I would have missed out on, could have missed out on. Um, and like right after I recovered from depression, I got a job as a nanny to a little baby girl and I watched her take her first steps. Like I was with her and it was just like everything in that moment. Like she's not even mine and I love her to death. So everything was like, life is so beautiful. Everything's going to be okay. There's moments like these. Um, I say like, I would have missed out on my 19th birthday wishes and all the love they brought me watching her take her first steps, all of these things. But I also talk about on what's important that I did miss out on. Like I got to miss out on my parents having to bury their baby girl. Mm. And I got Mm. to miss out on, um, like my friends getting the call that I was gone. I've yeah. never gotten emotional talking about it, but it really is just um, crazy. And yes, having a family has been a big, 
I was like, just get to the finish line, just yeah. get there, yeah. you'll be okay. It is totally, it is totally nuts. Um, not to harp on the baby thing, but like, it's I. When I go into her room in the morning and I and I see her smile at me when she realizes that I'm there, I'm like, yeah, you could take, you take my take my money away, take my car <laughs> away, take anything away. But like, if I see you smile, then like that's mm-hmm. that's really that's it. I can't wait for that. It's fucking crazy, dude. It's nuts. <laughs> you know what's great though is that like it's totally balanced out by like some of the things that I don't want to like ruining, but like you have like the one of the one of the ones is like getting the free taste testers at Costco. <laughs> like literally anything so that like makes I need a Costco membership, guys, is what I need. It's the fucking best. <laughs> Fuck. I need some of those uh what have we been what have we been having? The petit the uh Oh, the hash browns. The hash browns. Costco hash browns. I've never experienced. That's one of my main reasons. Maybe that's my next. We have an we have an air fryer and like air frying Costco hash browns. It's 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 like a big thing. Oh, it's the best. It's yeah. And that's the thing. Like I specifically, if you look at the book, obviously they can't see, but there's only one reason on each page. So Mm -hmm. there's all that extra space, and I I could have packed them all onto like. right next to each other like boom 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 but I specifically put them all on different pages so that if my reason doesn't resonate with you you write your own Mm. reason and I did it as like a journal style because obviously those reasons were written from the perspective of an 18 year old girl brain I know a 40 year old man isn't gonna have the same reasons to stay but I didn't want to limit the target audience to just that Mm -hmm. so this way it opens up to not just anyone with mental illness, anyone with mental health, and that's everyone. We Not everyone experiences the hardships of mental illness, but every single person has mental health that they have to look after. Mm-hmm. And it, like that's why this book can be for anyone. Mm-hmm. So how did you, what, what, I don't want to, I don't want to make the assumption that you're like on the other side of this, but for, are you on the other side of, of that? And how did that, how did that come to be? And I, I did did the revelation that the IUD was sort of like at the heart of this, did that, was, was that the beginning of the, of the end of that experience? Yeah. So I went back to the doctor after I realized it was the IUD and she actually just said, Oh no, it takes a couple months for the hormones to regulate. Like you'll be okay. Just stick it out. Whoa. Yeah. And so I was like, are you, I have to endure months of this. And, and did you say that you were like feeling yeah. suicidal too? Yes. And she just said, stick it out. It'll like, it'll be fine. And I was like, okay, oh, we can fuck. do that. So I had gotten the IUD in October of my senior year and I didn't get it out till June because I was sticking it out. And eventually, cause I went to like an actual women's clinic to get it in whatever um, follow-up appointment. And I just went to the walk-in clinic to get it out because one day I was like, I cannot fucking yeah. do this anymore. No just more sticking it out. take it out. Like, I don't care. I don't want to stick it out anymore. Just help me. Like, I need help. That was yeah. when I really like, I was like, mom, okay, I'm ready. I can't do this anymore. Um, I got it out and it did take like, I'd say a month and a half to, for all the hormones to kind of really get out of my system snapped back into myself it was I was terrified that I would never be myself again I was like if this ruined everyone like everything that I was before I had gotten it because I had lost my sense of purpose my sense of who I was like I was the bubbly happy girl and without that I was like I'm nothing like what am I now just a little couch potato sitting in my bed like I didn't know who I was 
Um, and again, like the doctor really didn't tell me all of these side effects. And when I was speaking to CPA, this girl came up to me after bawling and I was like, what's wrong? Um, she said, I got an IUD and I feel like I'm a completely different person mm -hmm. and I had no idea why. And you completely just like, you're here for a reason. You're telling your story for a reason. I needed to hear that. I'm going to get it out. I made an appointment as you were speaking. Whoa. And so it's just crazy because no one's going to think that this little pill you take or this IUD is causing your personality to completely disappear mm -hmm. and you lose your will to live. So it's so important to open the conversation up about that because half of the population is on birth control, if not more. Mm -hmm. um, you go to the doctor, you say you have bad period cramps. They say, okay, let's put you on birth control. You have bad acne. Okay, birth control. Yeah. They just feed it to you without telling you what might happen. And there's, and there's no conversation about like the side effects or symptoms <laughs> no. that you might experience. Like you get a yeah. big sheet, the words are like tiny and it's a whole list of possible side effects. You don't think that's going to happen to you. You get the side effects if you buy Advil. Like there's always one of those sheets. Yeah. And you don't read it. You don't look into it and you'd think maybe they'd tell you when you're you think, sitting in yeah, the doctor's office. You, you'd think that they would, which that blows my mind. The other piece about the doctor you know, saying to stick it out blows my mind as well. But um, I think that there's like, this is something that we've talked a lot about in the podcast is like this larger women's health issue where it's like, well, because we've been giving hormone medication to women forever in, in large populations, I think it just, I don't know if the medical community has just started to take it for granted, but like if I went and start and I, you, you can get a, you can get a hormone related prescription for something like that with no questions asked and with no, and with no, um, you know, follow up of like, Hey, this is like some potential side effects that you might experience. If I went to the doctor and I was like, can I have some hormones? Can I have some testosterone? They'd be like, excuse me, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> yeah. like there would, I know that there would be, they would probably try to talk me out of it for a number of different reasons. They'd probably tell me why I don't need it or blah, 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 blah. They'd mm -hmm. be all this stuff. And then if I was taking it, they'd be like, well, you want to be on the, I guarantee I would get that as a guy. Mm -hmm. And I just think that that's like, we're just like so used to giving women hormone pills <laughs> that like, yeah. I just feel like it's like, it's just, an, it's just another prescription instead of really taking into account, like how intensely, intensely, uh, um, you know, brain altering they can be and body altering they can be. Yeah. That's what's terrifying how absolutely normal it is and how, it's just slipped right under the rug and you just give it like it. It's just like they don't even look for alternatives when you go to the doctor, because like I said, birth control is not just used as a contraceptive. Like there's so many like um, acne, um, period cramps, all of these things. And they don't even look into because I went on it for period cramps mm -hmm. and they don't even they didn't even try to look into other Things. They were just like, oh, okay, here's your solution. Yeah, like, here's this is what your... we've been doing. So, exactly. And it, that's what was like blowing my mind about it. And I didn't think twice about it. I was like, oh, all my friends are on birth control. They've been on birth control since some in grade like eight. Like, have you oh, even yeah. hit puberty yet? Oh, and yeah. you're just being thrown on these medications. And, and it can so be really well. like, it can, you know, uh, I, Kyle and I had a, had a tough time having a, having a baby and we did had to do IVF and and, you know, you just start to ask those questions. Kyle was on birth control for 
like 16 years or something like that. Uh, yeah, maybe more, maybe like close to 20 years. And, you know, you, you start to, you start, we have a handful of friends that are doctors and you start to kind of float that out there and they go like, whoa, that's a long time. But, you know, family doctor never had that opinion. Family yeah. doctor is the one filling the prescription. And I don't blame, and I'm not, I don't blame it on the, the individual, like the doctor. I, it's, I think it's a culture of, of a medical culture totally. of going like, yeah. this is just, you know, this is so commonplace that we just don't even think about not it. Not just medical culture though, like society at large because you know women have the like a lot of women have the same perspective that like this is what i should be taking so they go there like asking for it oh yeah yeah and 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 you know for a lot of people it's probably fine or helps them in a lot of ways i mean Mm -hmm. you anecdotally i feel like you hear a lot of stories of like the person who did take um birth control because they had painful periods and it helped or you know they had acne and it helped that go away but like at what cost like what is the effect that that is having on Mm -hmm your body long-term. And this is why like the, the, there's a new interesting conversation starting to happen because there's this like male contraceptive pill that's coming out. And like, it'll be interesting to see how people and, respond. To and that. you know what my initial response to that was? My initial response was wonderful. If it's not hormonal, I went, if it's not hormonal, I'm fucking on it. Which is crazy though, because, but like, so what we expect women to take I the know. hormonal pill. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I mean. Uh, cause I, cause I go hormones, like no thanks. Yeah. You know, I, I, you know, I watched Kyla through IVF and, and being on a thousand medications and things changing and everything. I'm like, mm, nope, not for me. I don't want it. Mm-hmm. And, and we've, but we've been developing, you know, birth control pills for decades and decades that, you know, just don't, eh, eh, you know, and I'm not, I'm not the smartest person in the world by, by far. So like, I don't, I don't know what the alternative is, but there should be some, I hope that there's some money out there going into alternatives yeah. that go, Hey, let's try to find a, let's try to find a medication that can do the same job, but not make somebody want to kill themselves. Yeah, well, exactly. That's, but I mean, the point is that there, there's sometimes this, the best solution isn't always clear and it's going to be different for everyone. But the most important thing is that there's education. And yeah. so yeah. like with this case, like if, and, and also doctors need to listen to their patients. And if you come in saying, you know, I'm feeling like this is causing me to have suicidal thoughts. Like yeah, the doctor God. should fucking, that should be a r- immediate red flag. And like, if anything, like they should be checking in with you on a regular basis. If they're telling you to push through it, like that's fucking I know. crazy and like, to me. That's what I always say. I am in no way a doctor or I'm a 19 yeah. year old author. Like I'm not going <laughs> to be able to do much, but I can tell my story. I can tell you my experience and that's all I'm really trying to do. Like, because I do have friends that have IUDs and they love them. Like mm-hmm. they've worked yeah. out for them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been great. But I also have had those people coming up to me, like thanking me for sharing my experience because they never would have thought it's that. So that's why I want to open the conversation. Don't take medical advice from me, but I'm <laughs> yeah. just sharing my experience. Yeah. Or I mean, from us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and if there's, um, if there are like any family doctors listening, which there most likely is, and you want to tell us about, like what is, what is the protocol when somebody is getting is going to go on a birth control pill or an IUD? Like, is there supposed to be, like, is it is it weird that there wasn't a conversation had about potential side effects? Like, is it is it is it strange that you know you didn't get a rundown on 
hey, and just so you know, this these are hormones, so mm-hmm. this could potentially cause these types of like feelings. And if that happens, then call me right away because that could be the IUD. Like mm-hmm. I, 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 we've had this conversation about opioids, about how like there should be a, you know, th- when you get it, when you pick up an opioid prescription, there should be a conversation with the pharmacist. I've been on opioids and I have pharmacist friends. That is not a thing. You do not, there is not a, there is not a mandatory uh, kind of like briefing about this, what you're about to go on. And like weaning protocol and things like Yeah. Things and like, like I've picked up fucking fungal cream and they're like, do you want to have a conversation about your fungal cream? And I'm like, I think <laughs> I got it, but like, Ew. I guess. I got fungus, right? Come on, man. Don't fungal, don't fungus shame me. Ew. <laughs> this is a gross word. It is a, it is a, it is a gross word. Um, Gabby, wanna, yeah, go ahead. I, I was going to say, uh, Gabby, like I'm, I'm curious what's next for you. You tell me. <laughs> like <laughs> honestly, every time I've done um like a podcast or anything, they'll say, When's your next book coming out? When's your next I'm like, I just recovered. Let's yeah. give me a break here. <laughs> give me a break. But I feel like I love writing, so definitely that's possible in the future. But right now I feel like there's so many people that just need to hear this message of hope in that look at my struggle story and look at me on the other side absolutely loving waking up in the morning like mm. I go to bed at night excited to wake up to eat my favorite cereal mm-hmm. like from Same. someone <laughs> from someone that did not like that prayed like genuinely sat in her bed and prayed that she wouldn't wake up the next morning making the transition to that like I feel like I have a lot of wisdom about how you can also make that transition and I'm not saying that this book should be in place of therapy or any other professional help. I'm just saying I have been there and I wish I had something like this during those tough times. Mm -hmm. And it's just a little thing that might help someone be like, wow, it might be okay for me too. Mm -hmm. And like, if they're not ready to talk about it, like I was like their parents could buy them this book, slip it under the door. You don't have to look at it, but like, it's just, you can see my reasons. And like I said, whether they're helpful to you or not. It's just, you can write your reasons and Mm -hmm. that helps you look inside and think maybe this is a reason that life is super cool. And this is a, like I wrote about a trip in there, like a dream destination and I recovered and I went on that trip. So it's just little things that can help someone. And so I just want to get this message out to absolutely anyone that needs mm-hmm. it. That's my goal. I, I will say uh, number 121 is if you stay, then you can help others st- to stay too. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say that you're absolutely doing that right now. So yeah. Thank you. Congratulations. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> let people know how they can keep up to everything that you're up to. Like, you know, where can they find you on if you're on social media so that, you know, if you're, you might be coming to a city where they can. Yeah. You know, see you speak and um, and and tell them where you can also get the book. Why I stay. Three hundred and sixty-five reasons to stay alive when your mind is giving you every reason not to. Yeah, absolutely. So the actual book can be found on Amazon. Um, just search up "Why I Stay" and it should pop up. Um, as for I do speaking engagements as well. So if you wanted to book me for that or you wanted me to come speak to your school. I am planning a tour um, to speak to junior highs and high schools across Canada. 
Um, so if you want me to come to your city, you could absolutely contact me. Um, on Instagram, you can find me at Gabby Scholard with two D's at the end because someone took the original username. Um, <laughs> I, al- <laughs> I also have Why I Stay Book. I have an Instagram for the book. Um, and I'm in the works of creating my website. But by the time that this episode is posted, it might be live. So you can check that out at whyistay.ca. Awesome. I mean, uh, honestly, I, you know, um, I feel like it's becoming every year, it seems like it's becoming more and more of a, uh, of a kind of frontline issue, mental health in, um, in adolescents and teens. And the more, the more resources that there are out there to, to tackle that and to give people, um, resources and to let people know that they're not alone. That's been Mm -hmm. the number one thing that's been, that we've you know, fall in love with with doing this show is hearing people go. You know what? I thought I was, I thought I was alone, and I listened to this episode with this person, and I realized that I'm not, and that has been, um, you know, invaluable to me. Mm-hmm. So that's um, I'm really uh, I really appreciate your taking the time to be here to talk with us about your book, Why I Stay, and uh, I can't wait to see what you're uh, what you're up to and how you uh, how you get along over the next little while, and uh, and all the wisdom and words and amazingness that you're going to spread and share yeah thank you so much for having me and letting me share my story because that can sometimes do more than we think so thank you thank you awesome Well, there you go, folks. Hope you enjoyed that conversation. As always, we are coming at you Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And if you are a fan of the podcast and you want to support the podcast, there's a number of ways you can do that. First of all, you can leave a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. We love reading them. You can simply rate the podcast on the Spotify mobile app, if that's where you're listening. Or if you want to join the conversation, hop on over to our Discord. The link is in the show notes of this episode. And uh, we have a lovely little community over there of sickos and non-sickos all hanging out, chatting. And uh, hey, you could even help produce the podcast over there if you want. You can, again, find that link in the show notes below. Sick Boy Podcast is produced and co-hosted by myself, Jeremy Saunders, Taylor McGilvery, and Brian Stever. The show is managed by Jeffrey Lonis over at Talent Bureau. The sound design of this episode is brought to you by Donovan the CPAP Morgan. And, of course, the theme music is from the band Take Part. That is it for this week. I'm Jeremy, and this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.